Today's episode is brought to you by Drift Outfitters in downtown Toronto, Ontario. Drift Outfitters is your source for all things fly fishing. From waders and boots to thread and feathers, Drift has it all. They're now open for in-store shopping, but with a COVID times twist. Along with mandatory masks, a few other things have changed. So check in on their website to find their latest updates and policies. Safety first, fly fishing second. Curbside pickup for your online or phone orders is still a great way to get all the gear you need, and they're still shipping across Canada for free on orders over 100 bucks. Visit driftoutfitters.com to learn more. Well, welcome to another episode of So Fly. It is uh, July 12th, actually, mid-July. Um, we're back recording another show over Zoom. My name is Mitch, and we've got Yilma. Hello, everyone. We've got Aldo. Hey, everybody. And uh, we've got a very fantastic guest uh, on the show today, someone we're super excited to finally be chatting with. Um, Tom Rosenbauer is a fly fishing instructor. He's an author and He's a legend, quite frankly. Um, he's published a number of fantastic books for Orvis over the years and is also the host of the Orvis Fly Fishing Guide podcast. Uh, we're super excited to have him on the show today. Tom, how's it going? Good, Mitch. How are you guys today? Very good. Very good. Where are you calling in from today? I am in my home in Paulette, Vermont. Okay, right on, right on. And uh, Which is, it, is a uh, small dairy farming, small dairy farming town uh, in uh, southwestern Vermont. Oh, very nice. Very nice. What's the weather? Is it super hot down there too? Cause it's like, it's super hot up here in Ontario. Yeah, it's been, it's been hot. It's been hot for us. You know, it's been in the eighties, um, close yeah. to 90, which is hot for us. Yeah. Lots of good warm water, uh, fishing temperatures though. I think, uh, down there, eh? Yeah, the carp have been treating me well. So. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, well, we're super excited to be chatting today. Um, yeah, like I said, uh, Tom, if you don't know Tom Rosenbauer, then uh, I don't think maybe you're living under a rock or something because Tom has been in the fly fishing industry for forever, and he's he's done all kinds of great stuff to uh, instruct and mentor uh, up-and-coming fly fishing um, people, and of course, tons of amazing content, um, the Orvis uh, Fly Fishing Guide podcast, and, and lots of great video content now, too, on, on YouTube. Um but Tom, yeah, we got connected through you through uh, a guest we had on the show, Colin, who we know because we're actually from the same place as Colin, uh, just outside of Ottawa. But uh, um, yeah, how did you how did you and Colin hook up? Because I just saw today I was on your YouTube channel. I saw that uh, you guys are producing some content together as well. Yeah, we've been working together for, I don't know, close to 20 years now. I've been, um, oh, wow. you know, I've hosted some shows with Colin, um, for Colin, for the new Fly Fisher. And yeah. then um, about eight years ago. Uh, we came up with the idea of doing an Orvis uh, uh, a basic how-to fly fishing yeah. TV series, which had really never been done before on TV. And then it got repurposed um, on YouTube and we Orvis built, the real reason Orvis did it was to develop a video-based learning center because hmm. we knew that that's how people learn these days. Yeah. We wanted something that was organized and curated and, um, you know, easy for a beginner to follow. Mm -hmm. So we, we first got, well, Colin came to Orvis over 20 years ago and pitched, um, you know, just sponsoring his show. Yeah. And I had been at the time doing uh, PR and media relations and had been burned lots of times by TV shows. <laughs> you know, yeah. That was before the, before YouTube and before the internet and everything, but I, I'd been burned. So I was, um, I was pretty leery and, and, um, you know, pretty cautious yeah. and got to know Colin and really found out that he is, um, an amazingly conscientious and honest and, um, just a wonderful guy. And we've since become very close friends and, uh, love working with him. You know, yeah. he's one of the few people in TV that, that is always did, always did what he said he was going to do. Yeah. And mm -hmm. is all is really is also interested in teaching and quality and, uh, you know, not just, uh, not just a, a bunch of people beating their chest about the big fish they caught. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. No, we <laughs> love the new fly for sure. Um, okay. Well, why don't we just jump right into a bit about your fly fishing kind of history? Because I think, um, it'd be really interesting to know just how you got into fly fishing at all. And, and then you're just your journey into the Orvis world. Um, but, but when, how did you, like, how did fly fishing in your life begin? 
I hope this is interesting to your listeners because it's really boring to me. (laughs) (laughs) It's interesting to me if that makes any difference. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. I got an interested audience. Yeah. So I grew up uh, outside of Rochester, New York. So kind of due south of you guys or due south and a little bit west. Yeah. And um, on Lake Ontario. And I had fished since I was a kid with my dad. He was a worm fisherman pretty much. Mm-hmm. But he had no he had no fly rod probably uh uh just post World War II, maybe pre-World War II era steel steel rod with an automatic reel and it hung from the rafters in the garage and he never used it. And I had you know, I'd watched American sportsmen on TV and mm-hmm. you know, read outdoor life and field and stream and and thought that fly fishing sounded like sounded fun, it sounded cool, mm-hmm. sounded interesting. Um, so I took that rod down and tried to teach myself how to cast and do all those other things that we need to do to learn how to fly fish, learn knots. And of course there was nothing available then. There were a few books in the library. Um, but you know, it was pretty much hacking my way through it. Um, I had one friend who, who I learned with a buddy from Boy Scouts and we didn't know anybody else our age that fly fished, you know, it was just like, I mean, in those days, fly fishing was, you know, it, it was an old white man's game and that's the only people you saw doing it. Yeah. Um, and, but we, we hacked our way through it and read a lot and fished a lot. Of course, you know, being a teenager, I was maybe 12 when I started being a teenager, you got, nice. you got time, you got time to, to play around and experiment and make lots of mistakes. And then when we both got our driver's licenses, uh, you know, the world was our oyster. We started, um, you know, we'd go up to the West branch of the Aussable or down to the Beaver kill in the Delaware and, um, you know, just kind of hacked our way through it. (laughs) And then I started tying flies pretty early on. I may have even tied flies before I fly fished and, um, Hmm. And I got pretty good at um, things like Catskill dry flies and classic wet flies. Yeah. And um, there was a guy who had a little Orvis shop or a little fly shop in his kind of in his garage. Um, and he liked my flies and he actually started paying me for flies and taught me um, just a ton about, about fly tying and about fishing. His name was Carl Coleman. Okay. Um, and he's still around and still guiding. I think he's got to be well into his eighties. Wow. Um, and, um, God, he taught me, he taught me a ton. Yeah. And so I, you know, I made some money tying flies. I started buying better rods. My father, who was a child of the depression was horrified when I bought, I spent 20 bucks at the hardware store buying up my first fiberglass rod and (laughs) eventually started fishing better glass rods and, and, um, you know, by the time I was 16, I had a couple of bamboo rods. Wow. There were no graphite then. Yeah. Um, right. And so, you know, I just I continued to tie and fish and went to college at forestry school in Syracuse, tied uh, commercially a bit and worked for a kind of a, sla- a bait slash fly shop in downtown Syracuse. Um, he also had a mail order fly tying business. So I worked worked with that and and part-time while I was going to college. And um, then after I got out of college, uh, didn't have any money to go to grad school. So I, there was a, you know, I got, I had gotten the Orvis news for many years Mm -hmm. uh, that the old newsletter used to be put out and there was a help wanted ad for help in the retail store. So I applied there when I graduated from college and started out, as a clerk in the retail store, awesome. which I was horrible at. Yeah. <laughs> I have no pay. I have no patience and I'm not really, a, yeah, <laughs> I'm not really that social. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, luckily some other things opened up running the, the fly department in those days, all the flies were tied domestically and we had about wow. 20, 25 tires throughout the country that we would send materials to and send orders to and, um, you know, kind of, uh, you know, quality control. And, um, I got to know 
really cool people. Renee Harrop was one of our tires oh, wow. and De Dennis oh, wow. Black who started Umco Feather Merchants and, um, oh, wow. um, you know, some really interesting individuals. Yeah. They were all very quirky and fun and most of them were insomniacs. They would tie all night. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and I got to, you know, learn flight more about fly time materials with that time. We would, we would fumigate our own, Oh, yeah. uh, next coming in from India and formaldehyde. I'm surprised I still have all my faculties <laughs> and, you know, dying bucktails and yeah. cutting up deer hair and all this stuff. So, you know, I really, <clears throat> really learned, um, really learned a lot and then started, uh, instructing in the fishing schools mm -hmm. and the shooting mm -hmm. schools. Yeah. And, um, one day somebody asked me if I wanted to be the editor of the Oribus News. Mm -hmm. I knew nothing about writing, photography, or anything. And um, luckily, luckily at the <laughs> time, um, Fly Fisherman Magazine and Fly Rod and Reel were both based here in Manchester. And there were a number of uh, outdoor writers, uh, Robert, Robert F. Jones and, and Tony Atwell and Jeff Norman, um, John Merwin, um, John Randolph and those guys kind of took me under their wing and they really they really helped me I would go to their office and bug them about things and yeah. they would read my stuff and they were very generous with their time so you know a lot of things just a lot of things came together yeah. taught mm -hmm. myself how to take pictures and uh, you know geez yeah I mean like that's it's I love how you started <clears throat> in Orvis and in, in the retail and now you're you know, the voice of the brand. I mean, that's a pretty awesome uh, transition. Yeah. Well, after 44 years, yeah. you know, you, you, you ought to learn something. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. What I was love it? the fact that you didn't know such things, like such big, challenging mm -hmm. things like writing or photography, and you just crushed it, which is very inspirational because we have a team of learners ourselves, and uh, we just picked it up. It was good. Yeah, no, I mean, it's great. It's great to learn by yourself. It takes longer. Uh, mm -hmm. These days, of course, it's a lot easier. Yeah, um, mm -hmm. maybe writing, maybe writing isn't much easier using the web, but um, certainly uh, learning photography yeah. and, and yeah. setting Equipment. up uh, live streams for fly tying and things like that. You just yeah. go to YouTube and oh, yeah. got lots of help. Oh, education is just so, yeah, knowledge is yeah. so accessible now. And I think, too, yeah. that, that's about, that, that really taps into fly fishing as well. I mean, you know, like you said, you spent 40 years, you know, um, with Orvis and, and many of those years instructing and teaching people through your books and everything else. But it's it's cool that, you know, when you started fly fishing, you were saying there wasn't really that many books. Um, you were kind of just, I mean, it was probably a lot of just trial and error and figuring stuff out yourself from a fly fishing perspective, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there were... I where, I where I grew up fishing, the first technical fishing that I really did was on a spring creek oh, nice. in upstate New York, which I won't name because mm -hmm. I would have a contract on my life if I <laughs> on a podcast. All the Canadians would come down and <laughs> yeah. fish it. Including these three Canadians. I mean, yeah. you're reading, you know, like Ray Bergman's trout wasn't really how I would, you know, he was talking yeah. about fishing three wet flies and parmachini bells, and I was fishing size 24 midges. Yeah. Um, but it did help a little bit. And then, um, then I got, you know, I, found Vince Marinaro's book, um, Modern Dry Fly Code in the library. And yeah. that, you know, that was mm. more appropriate to what I was, was doing. So that helped a lot. Yeah, definitely unlocked a bunch At, of technology. When you started with Orvis or at least started becoming more involved with the company, was there always a focus on education at Orvis? Because if looking at the brand now, that's definitely, it's huge, right? It's either yourself or um, yeah. who's, the, who's the gentleman that does those videos at the oh Pete Kusser yeah so you know there's a there's a huge amount of resources was that always part of the brand was it no we had a, you know we had a we had a fishing school um, since I think uh, the late 60s it was the first formal fly fishing school so we always had that and you know those were both um, satisfying and, and profitable because students mm -hmm. you know beginners buy a lot of stuff um, but I think in the past, I would say in the past 10 years, when we started doing podcasts and more instructional videos, we realized that, um, that the most important thing with your customers is building trust. Um, 
it's not so much, I don't even think it's so much brand loyalty is it is, do they trust you? Right. And um, so to be able to honestly give them information that helps them with their fishing and helps them have more fun on the water and feel more comfortable mm-hmm. builds a lot of trust with people. And, um, you know, it's, it's been a, it's been a conscious business decision, but it's also been really from the heart because, you know, we were all there at one time and I, I try to never forget what it was like being 14 years old and yeah. not knowing yes. what to do. Yeah. Uh, yes. You know, I, I, I love beginners. I, I love novices. They're just, they're just, you know, they're an open book and mm-hmm. they love everything you do and they're not critical and yeah. they just want some help. And mm-hmm. it's really satisfying to work with, with novices. So yeah. any defensive novices, because apparently Pardon? any defensive Pardon? novices, <laughs> any defensive novices Yeah, who think they know what they're doing. Uh, most of them, I'm no. one of them. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. but, but we got past that. We got past that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You go through those stages, I guess. <laughs> you yeah. think you know it all. Yeah. I used to think, I used to think I knew it all. I used to think I was a pretty good caster and a fly tire until, uh, until I started traveling and watching the internet and, and seeing, seeing how, how, how many people were so much better than me. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh my God. There's so much yeah talent out there. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's interesting that you talk about trust for Morvis. It's it's a good point because like I mean they've also really been on um, and you guys have been on the forefront of of content marketing really like the podcast for instance like that started up like a while like quite a while ago like at the beginning it was one of the first fly fishing podcasts was it like two thousand eight kind of area? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was about two thousand eight, and we had a guy that was uh, kind of started this position of social media director and. I thought, oh, Jesus, what a crock that is. Um, and he, he said, I want you to do a podcast. And I said, what? And it, at that time, you know, podcasts were around, but they were kind of, they were kind of old tech. Yeah. They were just audio. Yeah. And video was become, you know, Facebook was becoming um, more, more popular. Yeah. And I said, oh, that's old tech. You know, that's not, that's not cutting edge stuff. He said, well, why don't you just try it? So. I tried it and um, the response was amazing. Yeah. Mm. And, you know, we, from the very beginning, it was a teaching podcast, you know, it was answering questions from people Yeah. and it just took off and no one was more surprised than me how powerful that became and how important it became to people. Um, And I think because, because I would listen to be very early on, we took questions. Yeah. You know, we started out just me talking about a topic, but yeah. very early on, we started taking questions um, and answering questions. And now, uh, you know, the, the whole, the whole thing is dictated by the listeners. Yeah. I don't really do, I sort of do what I want. But it's really, you know, I, I listen to all these people and I get these emails and calls and I know what they're looking for. And right. so I just give them what they want. Yeah. I don't give them what I want to give them. Yeah. Mm. So you're basically designing shows around just feedback. Around feedback. Yeah. Except for conservation. Early on, I had to really shove it down their throats because yeah. I could see the downloads were really lousy when I did a conservation podcast. Not so much <laughs> now. Um, but I, I said, you know what, I'm going to do it. Yeah. Screw you guys. I'm, I'm doing conservation in these podcasts and you better listen. <laughs> totally. <laughs> but now, yeah. now it's like they ask for that kind of stuff. Yeah. So. yeah. Cause that was at the start of catch and release and all that stuff. Right. People weren't. Well, it wasn't the start of catch, catch and release was started long before that, but it was yeah. more, more habitat conservation gotcha. issues. Yeah. Why do you think people were like hesitant or didn't care? Just kind of, they were like, ah, I just want to talk about fly fishing. Yeah. Cause people act in their own self-interest and yeah. it wasn't, they weren't learning anything yeah. about where to go and how to catch them. Yeah, it's great to see that stuff being come, like becoming more prevalent and important. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's much more, much more um, resonates a lot more with people now than it used to, but you know, we've got a lot of threats um, to our, yeah. to our way of life, to what we love and people realize mm-hmm. that they, they better step up and, yeah. and pay attention. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Our favorite, our favorite stream, um, trying to dump 
uh, what is it? Wastewater they're, from a they're treatment building plant. A, yeah, there's a, they're trying to build a treatment plant and dump the effluents into our, yeah. like, our, we have the Credit River here. It's like the, one of the only cold water streams just west of Toronto. It has a 100-year-old brook trout um, native population in it, and it would just mm. eradicate that. So <laughs> that's the battle right now is to not. Well, get a little, a little way, a little wastewater, as long as the temperature stays cold can be enriching. I mean, look at the Bow River. So don't, you that's know, true. there's I other threats main, that are worse. The main, the main thing is, yeah, it's, it's that coupled with Nestle has been pumping water out of that system to bottle yeah. water and sell it to people. So that's it's like a bunch bad. of different. Yeah. That's that's, yeah. You get those, you get those insults that add up mm-hmm. um, into a real, into a real cluster yeah no 100 so yeah. when it comes to orvis and, and just like the content and, and the podcast specifically what is it that you get out of it like why do you why do you do the podcast for all these years like what is it that you get well i guess there's a number of reasons one it's it's really satisfying mm-hmm. um when when people tell you that you know they went out and caught a fish because of something they heard on the podcast that's that's pretty powerful and yeah um you know it's pretty satisfying for someone that that likes to share this stuff. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's good for business. Yeah. Even though nobody or of us listens to my podcast, I do whatever the hell I want. Nobody ever, <laughs> nobody ever tells me what to do or, That's awesome. um, you That's know, great. they don't even listen to it. So I just do whatever the hell I want. <laughs> um, the other thing is that I, I make it a point never to have a podcast uh, guest on that I know more than. So, um, you know, I'm always learning on those podcast interviews as well. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want somebody just talking about how they go nymph fishing if they're, if they're not really good at it and I'm going to learn something. Um, So it makes, it makes me curious and it makes, I think it makes me ask the right questions. Yeah. Yeah. Because I am, because I am interested in what they're saying. I'm not just, you know, mm-hmm. listening, listening exactly. to them. Yeah, exactly. Hundred percent. Do you remember? So, do you remember yeah. the whole process behind writing your first book and like what that was like? Because it must have been quite the hurdle as well, right? Yeah, it was. Um, uh, I had been writing for the Orvis News for a few years. Yeah. And Nick Lyons approached me once. I got to know Nick Lyons, who was probably the, you know, the the godfather of all fly fishing writers today, at least us older guys. Yeah. Um, mm. He's, you know, just a, a wonderful human being and supportive and great editor. And he told me I should write a book. Um, and Nick is no dummy either. He knew that an Orvis um, fly fishing guide would yeah. be, would be a good seller. And I didn't, really think I could do it, but Nick convinced me that I could do it. So I wrote the whole thing, wrote the whole thing on um, yellow legal pads and pencil. And <laughs> then um, had uh, someone at Orvis transcribe. At the time, I, the time I, I actually had a secretary. I don't have any, I haven't had one in many years, but at that time I did. <laughs> um, and she knew my handwriting and she transcribed the whole thing and oh, wow. Wow. sent, uh, you know, sent typewritten manuscript to Nick because there was no internet then. Yeah. It was 1984. Yeah. Um, there was no digital stuff. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, uh, it did surprisingly well. It's in its, I think the latest version is the fourth major revision Mm. Yeah, I still have one. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and honestly, honestly, I was doing two other books at the time, and the publisher wanted me to revise it, and I couldn't do it. Yeah. Um, so uh, I had actually Phil Monahan, who runs the Orvis blog. Phil actually did the mm-hmm. the editing and the writing for the latest version. Yeah. Um, you know, we we kept a lot of the old stuff, but there was there was a there were a lot of things, uh, euro nymphing and spay casting and yeah, and, you know, more indicator stuff that wasn't in the original versions. Right. Um, yeah, that's great. I think it's awesome that the book was yeah, it's obviously like a huge wealth of knowledge. He was definitely right to publish in saying we should publish a book for more of us about uh, about that topic because it was yeah, it's a great book. Yeah, and beginners' books sell best. You know, yeah, you could. 
write all the advanced books you want, but um, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> believe me, I know. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I know how fly fishing books sell, and uh, most of them don't sell very well. Yeah. I have lots of them that didn't sell very well, <laughs> but that one keeps cranking. Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. Speaking of beginner stuff, um, you've been doing a lot of fly fishing lately uh, in, I think, in your neck of the woods. I was looking on your Instagram there um, for carp and smallmouth. Um, it'd be cool mm -hmm. if we could just chat about carp fishing a little bit because oh, yeah. I, have, Love it. I have never something fly fished I know for carp. Very, something, there's I don't know so many carp where yeah. we are, and I don't think we've – I think I've tried going after them once. Yeah. Well, it's not, it's like, it's almost like permit fishing. You got to really want to catch one and you got to throw to a hundred of them before you hook up, I think. Yeah. yeah. Maybe fifties on a good day. Mm. Um, but the, you know, they're big, they're challenging. Um, it, it is, it is the most, I mean, outside of a, a big brown trout rising to mayflies. Yeah. Um, it's the most exciting freshwater fly fishing that I know of. It's mm. just fascinating. Um, you know, these, these fish are big, they're strong, they're selective. Um, they're a real challenge. Yeah. And I get, I get so excited about carp fishing. I love it. They're ugly as sin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a, they're that's slimy, the they're smelly. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people hate them because they're ugly and they're invasive and all the other stuff, but they're, they're not going anywhere. We might as well take advantage of them. So yeah. do you remember jumping into carp fishing and like what the, do you remember your first carp on the fly and what your experience with that was like? Yeah, I was, um, I was on a, I was with my wife and another couple and we were on a wine tour in the Finger Lakes. Nice. And I must've been half in the bag and I had a rod in the car and we stopped at this pull off and I could see the, it was on, it was on near Ithaca. I think it was Cayuga Lake yeah. or Cuca Lake. Cuca Lake, I guess is where Ithaca is, where Cornell is. And we stopped at a pull off and I saw, I saw these fish tailing out there, big carp and you know, I walked out and threw a woolly bugger out there and, and one of them took a small woolly bugger. One of them took it and just spooled me, just like burned the, Oh man. Burned the drag on my CFO. Yeah. And I said, Whoa, there's something to CFO. this stuff. Yeah. Um, and we, you know, I've begun to find some spots. Most of them are about an hour from me. You know, I basically live in the mountains and all I have is trout around me small stream trout I have lots of that but i have to drive about an hour or two um for good carp fishing and you got to find the right spot yeah you got to find a spot where they're in shallow water they do like shallow water because that's where all the food is right and but you need relatively clear water because you got to sight fish to them not only do you have to see the fish but you have to see which way its head's pointing yeah um, otherwise, you know, you can't blind fish for carp. You can't just right. throw it out there. You, it's all precise sight fishing. Cause they'll miss your fly, right? Yeah. They just won't see it. Yeah. And, uh, and you, you know, you, I mean, it's like, it's crazy to try to blind fish. For yeah. Them. Um, mm. so you gotta find them in shallow water and they'll mud. So sometimes you'll see the mud. Yep. Um, or you'll see their tails sticking out or you'll actually see the fish in the water. And, um, you got to put it, drag it right in front of them, let it drop in front of them. Sometimes they eat it. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've seen like, it's interesting. You say tailing. It's almost like, like you say, permit or redfish fishing for red. It is. It's There's so fishing, much right? like redfish They're They are so similar to redfish. In fact, I've heard people call redfish saltwater yeah. carp. You know? <laughs> really? <laughs> and what's the take like? Do they hit a fly like, do they smoke a fly like a redfish or is it more just like pick up and kind of just start to kind of mosey around? Yeah, they pick up and move off with it. Yeah. Um, they hold on to a fly a little bit longer than a trout. So you have a little time okay. to, mm. because you, you don't really feel the strike. You kind of have to watch the fish's body language. Right. Yeah. And when it's near your fly, if it lights up or you see the gills flare, yeah. then you just tighten up. Um, right. I strip strike, but I was, I just did a podcast with Dan Frazier on carp fishing and he's, a, he's a real carp expert. Yes. Yeah. I think it's going up next week. Okay. And, um, he trout strikes him. He raises the rod tip. Yeah. So, oh. um, yeah, you don't really feel them. 
um, you just have to kind of watch their body language. So it's, you know, it's, it's technical. It's not some, I would not, I would never advise someone when they're a beginner to go out and try to catch carp because they'll give it up. It'll just be frustrating. You just, they'll have right. no luck. Yeah. yeah. It's really frustrating. What are, where are carp typically feeding on? Like what kind of flies do you go out with when you, when you go out? Um, a lot of them, uh, they like small crayfish, you know, they don't have very big mouth mm -hmm. and, um, they really, they really like small crayfish. Um, but they eat, they root for, I, I suspect dragonfly nymphs and damselfly nymphs. Yep. Um, you know, it's all about size six is about as big as you want to go. And eights and tens mm. are probably better. Yeah. Mm. Um, and you need, I've been going down to three X tippet, wow. which, you know, on a, oh, wow. on a 15 pound wow. fish, I mean, That's some great. of these fish are 15, 20, over 20 pounds. Yeah. Um, you know, is a, is a pretty good battle. Um, <laughs> But you <laughs> imitate you, little bu little buggy stuff that sort of looks like a crayfish or a or dragonfly nymph. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I use bonefish flies sometimes; they'll work. You know, smaller bonefish flies will work. Yep. Yeah. I can but see that. you know, they'll eat they'll eat clams, which is nearly impossible Jeez. if they're rooting for clams. They'll eat um, they'll eat mulberries that drop into the river. They'll eat right. cottonwood fluff. Uh, <laughs> you know, they're and when and when. Yeah, you I mean you catch them on? We catch them on dry flies. We catch them on mulberry imitations. Jeez, um, you know a fifteen-pound fish coming up to inhale yeah. a, a foam mulberry is pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, it's really exciting. Um, cottonwood cool. they fluff. Do that in the yeah, yeah. Dry is, are there are there um, mulberries on the Humber? Yeah, was, uh, there's a yeah there's a river close to downtown, and I remember. I was just walking along it and then seeing carp rising. I was like, what are carp oh, rising to? Oh man. That is, and, I was, that is, and then I think I, I might've read something or saw a video on it. Might've been you. And, uh, and they're like mulberries. And I was like, mulberries. Cause there's <laughs> yeah, mulberry just, trees. Uh, a sparkly foam, a sparkly dubbing body, purple or green, depending on whether they're ripe or not. And then purple foam over the top. It's all you need. And just plop it in front of them. And they'll eat oh, it. That was pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah. Dry fly fishing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, the mulberries don't last that long, but uh, mm -hmm. this time of year, it's, it's pretty cool stuff. Oh man. And then they'll eat mayflies. I mean, they'll, you know, you get a big hatch of like hexes or something like that. Yeah. They'll eat mayflies. Mm -hmm. Um, they, they'll eat anything. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. They, they get, oh man, carp. That's something that They're I, huge I gotta, around here. Yeah, they are They're huge They're around huge. here. Yeah. yeah. Huge, um, man. I remember I actually used to work at a, a an Orvis store in Ottawa, Green Drake Outfitters, mm -hmm. on, in my teens. And I remember like when carp fishing first kind of yeah kind of first heard of it. And they, I think was it Orvis that sold those little like prepackaged carp fly yeah. things. Yeah. Uh -huh. And there was a corn fly in there. I was like, does that work? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, sometimes you you find places where people feed them bread. Mm. Yeah, and it you know it's kind of not cool, but a, a big white, <laughs> just big white gloppy fly <laughs> will catch them too. Toss it out, yeah. I don't, I don't have any compunctions about crafter. about finding bread eaters. Yeah, it's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so these days you're spending like a lot of your time fly fishing for carp, and in the summer months, and smallmouth bass. Yeah, once a week for carp. You know, it's a drive for me. Right. So right. Um, but, I'm actually busier than I ever was doing Facebook lives and podcasts yeah. mm. and mm. all that stuff. Um, so, you know, I, sometimes I'll go early in the morning for a couple hours, typically during the week at small stream trout. Cause I have a lot of, I have lots of small stream trout around yeah. my house, near my house. So during a week, it's, you know, a couple hours here and there, small stream trout and then weekends or I'll take a day off and go carp fishing. Yeah. Or smallmouth fishing. That's not bad at all. It seems like a pretty good little setup you got down there. No, you know, I'm learning to love the one I'm with. The yeah. Kind yep. of miss kind of miss kind of miss traveling. Um, but I'm mm -hmm. I'm I'm finding just some real interesting challenges. Yeah. How has we'll how on. has like uh the pandemic and quarantine and all that stuff affected your content? Because you say you're doing more Facebook lives these days, eh? Yeah. Well, I, I yeah, doing them like three or four times a week now. Jeez. Oh wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, Fly I mean, tying and interviewing people and things like that. Yeah. yeah. 
normally are you is this like a busy filming like are you how do you balance between doing your the tv show and everything else like is it normal well, the, t- the right tv now? show i really had to kind of i really had to kind of give up i at the time we started i was doing um the pr and media relations and community relations mm-hmm. and i said look i can't can't do the tv show and do that so we hired um promoted one guy one young guy and hired another guy to do that stuff because i i pretty much had to concentrate on the tv show for a full 12 months yeah um between filming and editing and scripting and you know putting all the shots together it's done now so i'll you know be working more with um facebook lives and um just more educational stuff i don't know if uh i'm going to continue to do a lot of filming i don't know Mm. if there'll be a season three it's very expensive Mm-hmm. Those are expensive shows to produce. There's a lot of ed- there's a lot of editing involved to do a highly scripted show, mm-hmm. and yeah. just like everybody else, Orvis's um, Orvis's sales have suffered yeah. uh, through the pandemic, mainly in the apparel side of the business. Fishing is actually cranking. Fishing is doing really, really well oh, really, right yeah. now. Yeah, it's the it's the it's the best performing. You know, fishing is is a Fairly small percentage of Orvis's sales, but it's cranking. Wow! Yeah. So um, we're you know we're happy about that. People are people are fishing a lot. They're fishing yeah, close to home, but they're fishing event. a lot. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's wicked. Did you have any trips planned this year that got that got nixed mm. because of this whole thing? Oh yeah, I was going to host a trip to um, Three Rivers Ranch in Idaho. Yeah. Um, nice. And um, I had, had to bag that, and I was going to host a trip to the Bahamas at a couple oh, of lodges, which I love dearly. I love the Bahamas, and um, <laughs> had to bag that. Yeah. So I just I don't have any trips planned, honestly. Yeah. Just, yeah. Got, you got to wait and see. Yeah. Um, until we till we have a vaccine. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not going to be not going to be pretty. I mean, it is kind of interesting, though, like you, you, you're you saying, like exploring your home waters now because of this whole thing. And that's kind of a nice fallout in a way. Like people are going to be maybe spending more time close to home and, and learning their rivers and their waters and, and just getting. Yeah, uh, they are. I mean, I see it on Instagram every yeah. day. People are just oh, yeah. loving it. And they're you know, they're you learn a lot because you have more time to fish when you're close to home. Yeah. Um, and people I think people are fishing more because they're. You can't do much else. Yeah, that's great. You learn to love your own water, and you do. Yeah, and everybody can find something nearby. You know, even if yeah. you live in Phoenix, yeah. where there's you know there's there's water with carp there. Oh yeah, um, and and bass and sunfish and that stuff. So yeah, yeah. there's fish everywhere. Yeah. yeah, yeah, there's fish everywhere. Pretty much everywhere. Refocus on the backyard. Yeah, we were supposed to be in Montana at the beginning of August, but that's mm-hmm. not happening. Yeah. yeah. Another time, maybe. Another time. Yeah, I'm gonna miss the. I'm definitely gonna miss the Rockies this year, um, mm. and I'm gonna miss Cape Cod. I love striper fishing, and oh man, my family and I usually spend a week on Cape Cod, and then I go down a couple times. Um, but that's not gonna happen this year. Yeah, striper fishing. Oh, it's a whole other world, eh? Jeez. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so every show, Tom, we do a segment called Mitchie's Fishies Five, and it's uh, it's five questions that we ask every guest. They're the same five questions, um, uh, but there's no it's, you could take your time answering them. It's just five more kind of broad fly fishing questions. Um, but we're gonna ask you them now. Uh, I feel like one day we just we need to write a book about the answers. For, yeah, for sure. All I think, the guests today. Don't write a book, guys. Don't write a book. There's no future in it. <laughs> No Believe me. Books. <laughs> a picture book? <laughs> I think a no, actually, books. Actually, apparently, book sales are are pretty good these days. Um, right. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, uh, listening to the New York Times book review this week, um, they're, they're they talk about the publishing industry, and they're saying that book sales are very strong right now oh, for obvious reasons. Yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of positives happening. That's yeah, that's promising. You know, that publishing yeah. is doing well. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe this will be a coffee table book one day. I think I think a coffee table book, picture book. Although I like that idea. Yeah, yeah. a coffee table like sure. a pop up picture book. Yeah, with yeah. Carb. <laughs> well, good luck with it. Anyways, I wish you the best of luck. Tom's favorite fly. Exactly. Yeah. Um. <laughs> okay. Cool. I feel like I know. I feel like I know what the answers are going to be, but I'll let Tom answer for himself. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, we have spent a lot of time talking about carp, and actually, this first question is, and I don't know if it's carp. It might not be. 
Um, what is your favorite fish and why? I hate answering that question. <laughs> I almost Off never answer start. that question. <laughs> it's a tough one uh, to answer. I, I don't have one favorite fish. Yeah. I have a lot. I have a various favorites. Can I, can I, is it, can I mention more than one? Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. 100%. Well, brown trout. Okay. Carp. Yeah. Bonefish. Tarpon. Yeah. Those would be, mm-hmm. and false albacore. And striped mm. bass. <laughs> Every fish. <laughs> I know. I totally. You know, get it's it. all, it's all, it's it's all situational. Yeah. 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 It is. It is. I, um, is that what you call a tarpon? The that that big whale that you were holding and you on your. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they look like. Okay. Massive <laughs> fish. Jesus. What you should ask people is what their what's their least favorite fish. Well, hey, what's oh. your least favorite fish, Tom? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think steelhead because it's too much really? blind fishing. Okay. okay. Not, not enough action for me. Mm. Um, you know, I'm impatient and, yeah. um, I do, I do like to cast, but I love steelhead fishing when I'm doing it, but I, I don't go out of my way. Usually it's less like <laughs> active for you, right? You're, you're more into the sight yeah. fishing. And, yeah. Yeah. I'm more into stalking. I'm more into stalking fish. So anything that's sight fishing that I can stalk is. Yeah. You're a hunter, Tom. I guess so. So you just basically, are you a big steelhead guy at all, or are you just sort of like, eh? Well, I do it, and I enjoy it when I'm doing it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes in the fall, it's about the only game in town. Yeah. If Mm -hmm. you're you're close to home, so I definitely do it, but um, not my favorite. Right on. Okay. Northern pike aren't aren't my favorite either. Um, Oh, really? You know, they're, I mean, I do it, and they're exciting, but usually... They're at the bottom of the list. Yeah. I like that. The, the fit Tom's favorite fish list. And at the bottom, we could put pike and steelhead. And then at the top, it's yeah. everything else. Yeah. Everything <laughs> else. I can dig that. It's a good thing about, I, I like that you mentioned false albies. I, I caught a false albie by mistake. We were fishing for Jack mm-hmm. in, in the Keys. And like, that was insane. I was like, yeah, oh, they don't I, bother I, with them in Florida because they can't eat them. So people will go right by pods of them busting on the surface. It's really? like the, the, they're insane. It just spooled, spooled me yeah. in like the blink of an eye. Wow. Yeah, they're a, they're a really beautiful, um, beautiful, fascinating fish, and you can catch them all the way up to, you know, Cape Cod is about the northern range, but all along the east coast. I wonder why they're yeah. overlooked. Like, why do people not target them more often? Oh, they do here. They do yeah. up here. Um, I, mean, they, I mean, it's, it's cry- it can get really a zoo yeah. in the northeast, in, you know, Rhode Island or Cape Cod or, um, yeah. even North Carolina. But when you get down to Florida, people are more looking for something they can eat. Gotcha. Um, you know, they're mm. looking for Spanish mackerel or King mackerel or, uh, you know, snappers and yep. stuff like that. So they, they pass them by. Yeah. I remember it hit like it, we were, yeah, we we're fishing top water for, we had happened upon a school of pretty sizable jacks. And then this false Albie hit the fly and it sounded like a fastball coming into a catcher's mitt. Mm-hmm. Like, Bam! Yeah, yeah. And I was like, "What just happened?" And then all of a sudden, it was just a hundred yards of my back, and it was like, Boo! I was like, "Okay." Oh, I forgot another favorite fish: bluefin tuna. I have caught a few on a fly. Oh, whoa! Sm- small ones, small ones. But bluefin there is tuna. there is nothing more exciting than chasing bluefin. I haven't done it in a long time yeah. because there haven't been many small fish, and gas is so expensive. You have to do a lot of running. Right. Um, but mm. but boy. Mm. That's I'll awesome. go out of my way. I'll I'll drop everything and drive to the coast if somebody tells me that there's small bluefin tuna close to shore. And you're casting to them from shore? No. Okay, so you're in a no, boat. No, but you get, I mean, cl- close to shore means less than twenty miles. Gotcha. gotcha. Right. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Man, that that would be a crazy fly fishing experience. Bluefin tuna. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Well, that's cool. Well, I mean, that's the first time we've heard someone in the favorite fish question say bluefin tuna. So I dig this. <laughs> yeah. This is going good. It's a really um, stupid thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> it's really stupid because, you know, uh, 99 times out of 100, you don't catch one. Right. Mm. Right. But right. then when you do. When you do, it's, uh, yeah. And then it's the slugfest. And then you say, why the hell did I do this? <laughs> you just panic. Yeah. Now, yeah. yeah now what? Yeah. <laughs> I dig yeah. that. Um, okay, number two is if you could fish anywhere in the world right now, assuming it's the best time of year to go there, where would you go mm-hmm. and why would you go there? I would, pro- 
uh, I would, it would be a toss up, I think, between somewhere in the Rockies, Montana, Wyoming, Idaho, yeah. or the Bahamas mm. for bonefish. I love bonefish because it's stock, you know, it's mm-hmm. stalking and I like right. sight fishing. I love bonefish. And I love the Bahamas. I love the people, the guides, the, the, uh, the ecosystem there is really pristine. Yeah. Right. Um, so what's the fly, what's my... the fly fishing culture like down in the Bahamas? Like what's, it, how is it, you know, what's special about the Bahamas and, and bone fishing down there? Well, it's just, there's so many opportunities. Um, there's so many flats and, right. you know, there's so many islands and um, the, there, there aren't a lot of guides, but the guides that are there are absolutely superb. Some of the best guides in the world. Mm-hmm. And they're very, um, they're very nice for saltwater guides that, you know, they'll, they'll laugh and chuckle and right. they won't, they won't put a lot of pressure on you. They don't yell at you. Nice. Um, guides. You know, they're just, and they're really, they're really fishy, really fishy guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly guys. There's one woman guide in the Bahamas that I fished with oh, this cool. past year. Um, but m- mostly guys and they're old, you know, they're older. There aren't a lot of young guys getting into it, which is yeah. disturbing to the older guides, yeah. but they're just, they're just great to be with on a boat. They're just so much fun. Um, again, they don't put a lot of pressure on you. Like that's cool. a lot of saltwater guides do. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. you just have fun. Well, that's you huge. Just have yeah. fun with them. That's the biggest yeah. thing, you know, like I never understand that when, how, how some guides are just so like short and frustrated on the water. It's like, man, we're out here to, you know, have a good time. So that sounds bone fish with some nice people. That sounds like a great, that's a great answer. Yeah. It's not bad. It's yeah. not bad. <laughs> Love that. Um, number three of Mitch's fishies five is what is your best or favorite fishing memory or one of your favorite fishing memories? Oh God. <laughs> yeah. There's I, a lot after 44 years. <laughs> I, yeah, I can't, I just can't go there. <laughs> or do you have, uh, do you have any good, Carp memories, perhaps recent carp memories. I like that one, the Panithica. That's that's pretty rad. Um, yeah, the last the last carp I caught in a mulberry was pretty cool. We spotted the fish sucking up some mulberries under a tree, and we <laughs> we eased in, and I plopped that mulberry down, and he just came up and hailed it. He was about like fifteen pounds. Yeah. So you don't have, so you can't, you just, there's too many fishing memories for you to pluck. There's one too out of many. Them. They're all good. You yeah. know, they're, yeah. they're, they're all, there's just too many of them. <laughs> Fair enough. I can dig that. Um, okay. Number four is why do you fly fish? What do you get out of fly fishing? What is it about fly? It's fishing? my, it's, it's my life. I, what do I get out of it? It's like eating or breathing. Yeah. Um, for you, it's interesting because you have made, it is God. your living. It's been your entire livelihood. Yeah. It's just, it's because, because you're always learning. Yeah. It, you know, humans, humans want to, want to learn. We're driven to learn. And I have a trout stream in my backyard. Um, that's not very good this year, but there's, you know, a few small fish in it and, and they're all wild fish and they're really spooky. And every time I take a rod out in the backyard, I learn something new. Even though, even though I see these fish twice a day walking the dogs and yeah. whatever, but um, I'm always surprised and and always learning something. Yeah, every single day. There's mm-hmm. no predictability. There's so many variables mm-hmm. in in fly fishing. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I guess that and the element of stalking. Right. I have a friend, um, Todd Tanner, who's a fishing writer and, and run some schools and he, he calls me a predator, which, um, is one of the greatest compliments I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a great, uh, it's a great, uh, asset on the river, I would say. Eh? Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's awesome. No, it's a great answer. Um, number five and the last of Mitchie's fishies five is if you were a fly pattern, what would you be? What fly pattern represents you best and why? Mm. Jeez. It's not gonna be a mulberry, is it, or a, a corn? No, <laughs> I guess it would be a parachute Adams because I'm a generalist. Yeah, you know, I'm a I'm a generalist. Um, I'm not I'm not expert at any area of fly fishing. You know, most of my fishing buddies are are better at me than what we're doing at the time. Yeah, 
thinking of Sean Combs, who uh, is the Orvis rod designer, who's my carp fishing buddy, and he sees them so much quicker than I do, and he knows what to do. Um, I think the only thing that I'm, the only thing that I'm better at than most people is um, is reading water and finding trout, mm-hmm. um, and and figuring out trout behavior. I'm pretty good at that. Mm. That's a good skill to have. <laughs> but as you know, the, uh, what was the question? I forgot what the question was. <laughs> what fly pattern represents you best in water? Oh yeah, I yeah. So I'm happens. a yeah. So I'm a generalist. You know, I'm a mm-hmm. parachute Adams or a woolly bugger. I dig that parachute Adams. Great woolly buggers. Good parachute Adams, great. Yeah. And woolly buggers are you can never knock the woolly bugger. I love that. We've got a couple no, of people you saying can't. woolly bugger. It friggin' works yeah. everywhere. It just works. Everything. It's insane. It just works. It it's just awesome. works. And <laughs> it's such an easy fly to tie. I love oh, yeah. it because I can crank out a bunch. It's oh, the yeah. only fly I can tie. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's all you need. <laughs> it's all you need. I love it. Really good for carp too. Oh, it's a, it is a good carp fly, eh? Yeah, it's bugger. an awesome carp. Oh, it's a small, a small olive woolly bugger looks, you know, enough like a damselfly nymph or a crayfish True. to to make it work. I love that man. Woolly buggers is just like you can catch any fish on. I wonder if you could catch a, a bluefin tuna on a woolly bugger big enough. <laughs> I think you could. I yeah. think you could. Uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna waste my shots. <laughs> yeah. But I think. <laughs> I think. A, I think you could. I love that. It's great. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that's all water gauged. <laughs> woolly buggers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I, I've caught a lot of striped bass on woolly buggers, and I've caught tarpon oh, nice. on woolly buggers. So. Oh man, oh, tarpon well. on a woolly oh. bugger. And bonefish. I've caught bonefish on woolly buggers. So oh, yeah, man. they work. That's awesome. Yep, there you go. So do you got any uh, fly fishing plans in your immediate future? Like what, what's your week looking like fly, fly fishing wise? Are you going to be able to get out? Uh, I got an awful lot of Facebook lives this week. I don't <laughs> know. I'm, I'm trying to figure out. I, I know I can sneak out early in the morning, and go small stream fishing, but I'm trying to, trying to scheme my next carp trip. It may have to wait till next Saturday. Love it. Mm. Yeah. Right on. I'm excited. I'm, I'm, we're going to be getting out. Actually, these guys are coming down my way and we're going to go largemouth bass fishing next week. That's going to be, be good. Cool. Yeah, that's Can't wait to great. Back yeah, on the so many largemouth places. So yeah, this is going to be really exciting. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's that's what that's on my least favorite fish list. Yeah, largemouth bass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Shit>. yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll go after them. I'll go after them, but it's not it's not something I'll drive very far to catch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm driving four hours to catch. Them. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, to each his own, right? Yeah. Exactly. We do. We, we play this game the way we want to. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I think it's more we're driving four hours so we can actually hang out with each other. Yeah. 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 Thing too. You guys should go carp fishing. Hell we should. Large mouth. We should. We should. Yeah. I, we, you know, we've never done it together. We've never gone carp fishing together, guys. Like, And they're right downtown Toronto. So yeah, there's really right no there. excuse. Yeah. Like, there's really no excuse. No. Yeah. Yeah. Do We've it, got the equipment. It. Well, we will. Our, our, I want to come to Toronto when when this is all <laughs> when they open the border. I want to come to Toronto. And go <laughs> yeah, do it. Fish. You yeah, should. You should. Yeah, do it. Come. That'd not be so lot, fun. Not a lot of. But then I'd have to go to Toronto, right? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Mark Melnick tells me what <laughs> hey, it's like what? living in Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right, Mark. Yeah. Well, yeah, you should come uh, up to Toronto. We'll go car fishing. That'd be crazy, right in the middle of the city, and then we'll go get tacos. I'd love or to do it. Yeah. I'd love to do it. Be awesome. Okay. Partner here at Unsoulfly, Gab. He swears by carp fishing. He loves it. He loves it more than anything, and he just mm. kept talking about it. So, and he's been trying. Yeah, to he says, yeah, but he never went and did it. Yeah. <laughs> 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 he, he said how much he loves it, and then. <laughs> hey, I have a question for you guys. Yeah, for Aldo. Yeah. Is that really your last name? Is that your? It is really my last name. Yeah. Wow, what an appropriate last name. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. That's my last name. Yeah. Um, my grandfather was a big, he wasn't a, a fly angler, but he was a, a big angler and a big, um, uh, he shot up, he, he, he hunted pheasants and raised pointers and yeah, he did the whole, the whole kit and caboodle. Yeah. Well, somewhere back in your, somewhere back in your lineage, there must've been a, a yeah. more fisherman, right? Actually, he, um, he took the name because <laughs> he didn't like his father very much. Um, and he loved fishing and he changed his name to that. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, oh, that's so that's awesome. why that's why oh, we have cool. that. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. Oh, I want to change my last name to Pescatore. Yeah, I was just thinking do the it. same thing, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. There's 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 more there's there's a lot of room in the in the clan. There's not many of us. <laughs> <laughs> so if you guys want to join up. <laughs> okay. I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. But we've been yeah, Mitch and I grew up um we grew up in Ottawa. We were fishing we've been fishing we fish warm water our whole lives. Like I started I think I picked up this fly rod at eleven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, like, 
my everybody fished. Everybody was everybody in my family spin fished, and then uh, my mom of all people bought me like a Fenwick rod, a fly rod at, at you know a corner store or um, like a Canadian Tire. Yeah. Like, yeah. In those I, days, there weren't many young fly fishers. These days, it's hooked. it's totally different now. Yeah. I mean, there's so many young people getting into it. It's so cool. It is cool to see. Yeah, it's becoming more. Um, I don't know, accepted by by everybody, you know, it's more oh, accessible. Yeah. 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 I remember when the Orvis store opened in Ottawa, I was just like, man, somebody had yeah. bought me like a, like a little six pack of flies. Yeah. And I was looking, I was like, who, where did you get these? <laughs> you know, cause we didn't have anything. And uh, they're like, oh, this store called oh, Orvis just yeah. opened. And I was like, what? And I rode my bike down there. I think I was 13. I was like, oh God, I'm going to start cutting some lawns. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was the best. Oh, it was probably that eight weighted nymph selection that we used to use as a name acquisition device. Yeah, eight nymphs for nine ninety five in a little. Was it in a little fleece uh, wallet? Um, no, it was in. You remember when you had those green segmented um, um, fly boxes? Oh like, yeah. yeah, yeah, and um, oh okay, it, they were like waterproof, and mm-hmm. you could open them like a clamshell. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Um, and it said Orvis on it. And I was like, what is this? Oh, okay. I was like, what does any of this mean? You know, we in, in Ottawa, we didn't have, I wasn't yeah. aware of that brand. But then when we walked, mm-hmm. when I walked in that store, my mind was just like, whoa. That was the best. <laughs> it was the best. I used to love going to that store, man. And then Mitch worked at the other fly fishing shop called Float Paddle and Fly. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we never, and, but we only met two years ago. Yeah. So we like oh, had no the kidding. same upbringing, basically, yeah. which is kind of funny. Wow. <laughs> And now I'm changing my last name to Pescatore, and we're going to be brothers, my friend. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Tom, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. It was, it's been a lot of fun just just talking about, you know, your fly fishing life and carp and, and where you're at right now. And um, Yeah, if there if there's anything you want to leave with people in terms of some stuff you got coming out. Um, or where people can find your stuff. I'm sure they know, but just in case. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Yeah, the, the podcast is uh, on iTunes. It's the Orvis Fly Fishing Podcast. And um, the video stuff is all on the new Fly Fishers channel. Mm-hmm. Um, the Orvis Guide to Fly Fishing, and I do Facebook Lives two or three times a week, mostly fly tying uh, yeah. on the Orvis Facebook. And I have a bunch of books out there that people are welcome to buy. <laughs> yeah, check them out, everybody. <laughs> well, they're great. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's just. It's thanks again for for just you know spending so much time putting out all this content because it's helped a lot of people get into the sport. Um, you know, you're looking at a couple of them and. Uh, and yeah, we appreciate just, you know, hopping on the show today to, to chat with us. It was, it was fun. Well, thank you guys. It's been fun. And I, I think the one thing I would leave people with yeah. is um, don't, don't overthink this fly fishing stuff. Yeah. It's, it's not that hard except carp fishing. Um, <laughs> it, it's not that hard and um, don't be intimidated and don't overthink it. Definitely a good piece of advice. And yeah, when when the world opens back up, definitely come on up to Toronto and we'll, we'll go stick some carp maybe with Mark. Uh, I'm in. I'm in, guys. <laughs> fun, yeah, that's the mulberries fall. I'm coming. <laughs> I love yeah, it. the mulberry hatch. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks, Tom. Thanks very much. <laughs> okay, guys. Thank you. All right. All right. It, was, uh, it was my Take pleasure. Care. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Tom. Take care. Well, that was Tom Rosenbauer. Uh, Tom, thanks again for coming on the show. That was, uh, that was super fun. It's pretty cool getting to talk to somebody who's been doing is that a professional career in fly fishing for 44 years? But then also, it's just, I don't know. It's yeah. neat talking about other people who do podcasts, and obviously his podcast is very successful. But um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's it was, neat. It was cool to meet yeah. Tom, too, yeah, because, I mean, like, geez, like, I don't know. I've been following along with Tom forever. I think Tom's podcast was – it was one of, like, three of the first podcasts I ever heard on fly fishing, like, way back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, this is a cool little show. I really liked the formula back then. And, again, like, just the way he – uh, similar to like that idea of calling like new fly fisher where it's just like really about education and like learning and teaching and it's a huge resource obviously Tom's stuff and I think in like uh, it's they're you know both Colin and Tom are pretty soft-spoken and yeah. non-judgmental type people which is I think yeah that's what fly fishing needs <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah. inspirational yeah. definitely yeah, it's fun. Yeah. Oh, we got it. hundred percent. We got to take Colin up to Toronto and, and, or sorry, take Tom up to Toronto and go fly fishing. That'd be so good for, for carp. That'd be so fun. Maybe with Colin. Yeah. Take Colin. Yeah. Take Mark. Maybe if Mark's down and, and Tom and, and go do some carp fishing. That'd be, that'd be fun. What's that Mitch? You got a, you got a brush there, a brush for your snare drum. I do. It's oh. just sitting on my table. <laughs> I don't know why it's here. Honestly, I have no idea why I have a getting snare. it into jazz drumming. Yeah, exactly. I don't even know why. <laughs> I, I'm not sure where it came from. Um, when we 
when we go to your cottage, we can we can cover the Pink Panther. <laughs> That'd be sick. Oh my God, next yeah, week. I love that track, man. That'd be so sweet. That'd be so fun. Oh my God. Have a little jam. You're stuff. joking, but I love that track. I should have brought. Yo, a drum I, can, kit. Oh, I like it too. I can play the tambourine. Yeah, I should have brought my drum kit up here, and then we could have like we could have had like a little jam out in the woods. It would have been crazy. Uh, can anybody play saxophone? <laughs> I can Can't get that anybody guy to play saxophone, man. You're talking to one of the saxophone kings, me, baby. Clarinet too. Yeah, you better believe it. No, I can't play saxophone. I can figure. I play clarinet. I could. I play clarinet. I play clarinet. Did you? I can play the recorder. Oh, nice. Really? Nice. That's sick. Man. No, I can't. Play. Wow, that's so sick. Uh, it's cool. Just like. I mean, 44 years, that guy's traveled everywhere, probably caught every fish on Earth. And yeah, exactly. Just like, yeah, I like fishing for carp. I was like, let's, I love that man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <I> know. <laughs> Something awesome. about that I love. Like, it was very, yeah. It, his answers were different than anybody else's in terms of what we expected him to say. For Mitchie's Fishes Fives. Yeah, yeah. Blue, yeah, tuna. Like, I was like, whoa. Yeah. I never even thought about fly fishing for tuna. It's crazy. I love that. So. A couple of days from now, Mitch, we're going to be at your cottage fishing for bass. Yeah, it's going to be fun. We're going to use the uh, the flies that we tied during uh, blindfolded tying and see if we can catch fish on them. Um, I'm sure we will. These these largies are are hungry and keen. Uh, oh yeah, I'm going to have to go out there this this week maybe for an evening fish, um, and see if I can see if I can yeah get them ready. Scout scout for us, Mitch. Scout for us. I'm scouting on the pond. And then and we're we're also going to try that little uh, rainbow lake, right? I think that would be kind of fun. Like I honestly, I've never been there, and I don't know um, anything about the lake, and also I don't know anything about getting to it. Like I'm not sure what access is going to be like. Um, but you know, part of the adventure. If we get up like kind of early on Saturday and just head out there and just see. If, if if the road is like, oh man, like we can't get in there without like a side by side or an ATV or something, then we'll just turn around and go fish the bass lake because it's not that far. But I think it'd be fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, the trout are going to be pretty deep, I think, right now because it's it's hot as hot. hell. Yeah, it's it's hot. been hot. Yeah, right. We'd have to get there pretty early, I think. Yeah, and yeah. also like, I mean, no matter what, we're going to be having to fish. I think sink lines and like they're going to be. I think they're going to be pretty deep. How many uh, how many rods are you bringing up? Because we have Bree there. Bree, if Bree wants to fish, do we have a, a rod for her? I'm bringing up two. Yeah, we got lots of fly rods. We're not, yeah. We'll have tons and tons of fly rods up here. I can bring like yeah, I'll bring my six weight, my seven weight, my eight weight. Yeah, and I've got I've got two eights, a nine, a ten, a, like a bunch of rods here. Um, cool. but yeah, it's gonna be fun, guys. I'm looking forward to it. I'm gonna have a good time. Are you guys going fishing this week at all, or have you been out fishing recently? No, Dane wanted to go uh, for some smallmouth. Um, oh, yeah. I just told him some couple spots. And I told him I'll check with Trip to see if because I think he wants to go up to the Beaver or like the Saguin. Nice for smallies. So smallies, mm-hmm. it's small. It is smallie season. I mean, this is smallie season. It's way too hot to be fishing for trout. So yeah, it's definitely smallie smallie season for sure. I mean, he could go to the Grand, but um, yeah, I think he wants to explore a little bit. Yeah, man, we like the Grand been... for smallies. Yeah. I love the Grand for smallies, man. I love Dude, it. They're big too. They're big. Like, like going around Paris. Paris is great love for smallies. Yeah. Love it. It's been, Easy yeah, access. like it's been 40 degrees. Like don't, you know, it's not a good time to, to fish for trout. So go hit up some bass for sure. We can hit up some walleye when you guys are up too. There's uh, that back bay. And you know what I think is going to be cool is fish some of the islands on the lake. Just go like pop up on an island. Like just go mm-hmm. fish them, fish the islands. I think that'd be a cool way to do it. We get such a short bass season. You might as well take advantage, take of, advantage of it, you know? hundred percent. I know they stay open. I know they stay open in the fall, but once that water cools down, they really shut down. They shut Any down. Any pike up there, Mitch? They shut down. Um, yeah, there's some pike lakes up here. I haven't. I haven't. There's no pike where I'm at um, in yeah, my water just walleye. here. Walleye, walleye bass, walleye smallies, largemouth, um, and then sometimes like random things, like someone got a lingcod once through the ice, which is kind of cool. And that's cool. I swear, I caught. I hooked like a giant pike on the that bass lake there that we go on. I, I, when I was a kid, it was this. I have this memory of like, a, I was like, I think 12 or 11. And I have this memory of a giant, giant fish jumping out of the water and breaking my line off like instantly, right? Like literally like it jumped out, smoked my lure, which was like a plug on the top, I think. And then yeah. it just like went in the water and just broke it immediately. And I was like, holy crap. And I, I'm pretty sure it was like a massive pike, but I've never caught pike in there. So I'm like, I don't know. The river maybe? Yeah, it's connected to a bunch of different lakes and rivers and yeah. stuff, right? So I think sometimes fish find their way. And actually... There is a lake next to it that does have pike in it, but it's like pri- it's a lot of private sort of water, so there's no access to it. But I'm thinking there's some big pike in there. But we could, yo, we That's could awesome. also, yo, there's also musky fishing around here. 
What? See, that's what I would, I would, I would love. Like, like yeah, we that's can, pretty unique. We can go try to do that. Like, maybe just ask. Let's try and do that. We can ask Bill and yeah, see if he knows any Bill, lakes like, in the area. Yeah, do you want to give us like some I info? Bring, my, bring your ten weight, Ilma. My ten weight. Because we could do that, which would be pretty crazy if we actually stuck a muskie. Whoa. Wild. Yeah. There's also the Madawaska River. Madawaska River is up not far from here too. So I, could <clears> go there. I mean, there's tons of opportunities, so we can figure it yeah. out. There is something nice about just floating around on that flow tube. Yeah. In a bathing suit, catching yeah, bass all day. Totally. Just put that chilling out, out there. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Percent. But I'd be down for some musky. Yeah. Maybe yeah, more so than that trout lake. Yeah, I think maybe me too. Yeah, me too. Well, maybe, maybe we'll three. we'll email Bill and see what's going on. I'm out in Prince Edward County. Yeah. It's gorgeous out here. Oh, it's this beautiful weekend. out there. Never fish out here either, but I know there's a lot of bass. Oh yeah. Your host. Your your host Aldo just emailed me. He's like, "Where's my she's Where's my files, Ilma? I gotta <laughs> get her some files right now." I love it. Yeah, say hi to Sam for us. Um, yeah. We'll do. Yeah. Okay. Well, man, see you in a couple of days, Mitchie. See you guys in a couple of days. Everybody listening, check out our uh, website sofi.ca because in the coming weeks and months, we're going to be releasing some videos from our trip to Esnagami Lodge. Um, it was a great trip. We caught huge brook trout, tons of walleye on the fly, a bunch of pike as well and and obviously we're put up by uh, some fantastic hosts there um eric and and his and his whole crew down there at esnagami lodge so yeah check out our webpage and just you know if you want to see some of that content coming through and thanks again for listening to the show and thanks again tom for coming on uh you know like we said we've you know i mean obviously we've we've been seeing your stuff for years and so we're super excited that you uh that you sat and spoke with us and yeah hopefully we can get on the water soon uh with you tom yeah thanks again uh that's it for me mitch aldo Bye, everybody. Yelma. See you guys. Take care. You can find all of SoFly's content at SoFly.ca. On Instagram, we're at the SoFly Crew. You can reach us at thesoflycrew at gmail.com with any questions, comments, or concerns. On Facebook, we're SoFly, and our podcast is available on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify.